Baby Driver is the latest movie from acclaimed director Edgar Wright, but was this project worth abandoning Marvel for? I'm Mike. And I'm Darren. And this is Popscorn. on the Fall Entertainment Movie Podcast and today we're talking about Baby Driver. I'm always Mike. And I'm always Dan. We're back to our old tricks. Yes we are! After um, a failed attempt at trying to do a fucking gaming podcast. Christ Jesus, right, we recorded a full two hour E3 podcast but then Michael had the good sense to drop his laptop and break a screen. Yay! So that's lost to the flipping nebulous, no, that's I, great. I still have the file. Ah right. So I could for all intents and purposes put it out there. If you want us to... But it's a month late. That's what I'm saying. We, we've no longer got hot takes. But if you want to hear our E3 one, we'll happily put it out. We can probably put it out as bonus material at the end of the year. It's like yeah. a lost episode like Warcraft I last year. I still take it out now. But I'm thinking about starting to put these things up on YouTube because more and more podcasts are going on YouTube now. I think maybe that's a step we need to take. So hopefully... <laughs> Great that we're having this business conversation on a podcast, Obviously. Michael. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, look, no, look out right. for that. It's probably going to be a thing. I just need to make like a video graphic. I'll sort it out, Darren. Don't worry, but until then, SoundCloud, yay. Yay! Baby Driver, let's talk business, shall we? Let's talk business. Let's get down to business. Because I I thought that my main reason for going to watch it, I don't think I would have watched it if it weren't for Edgar Wright. No, I don't think anybody really would have. I mean, I like the concept. Yeah. Without knowing this was an Edgar Wright movie, the concept seems fairly okay. A movie that you'd check out, maybe on DVD, maybe if you had somebody who was super into heist movies, you'd, you'd be on board. But we all know the main draw is the fact that Edgar Wright's name is on this movie. Because he's one of few, like, kind of starring directors that's around anymore mm, that aren't just, yeah. like, hired guns. Like, you've only really got Spielberg uh, of that, and, and and Christopher Nolan left of that kind of thing, and, and Edgar Wright really fits into that category. Um, and like I said, otherwise I don't think I would have gone and watched it. How, unless someone had really appealed to media nerd Darren... Of like, which yeah, is Edgar Wright, I would which say. Which is Edgar Wright, you know, he knows how to, you know, twist my buttons. So putting it, you know, the, the real emphasis here was the big focus on music and it being very much a part of the storytelling. And that's a very hard job to pull off. Apparently I read an interview where Quentin Tarantino almost begged Edgar Wright not to do it because he's like, I've tried to have specific songs in mind for just one scene and if the, they can't get the rights for them or something falls through then you're screwed. That was for one scene in a Quentin Tarantino movie, not the entirety of a goddamn Edgar Wright movie. Um, and yeah, he, he hasn't really done that many movies, so he's clearly taken his time over his projects. Which is fair enough. His last movie would have been... Scott Pilgrim. Scott... That wasn't his last movie, sure. That was his last movie. Because I mean, it would have been Ant-Man, but then obviously they, he, he jumped ship on that like two weeks before it started and they, and they shipped in someone else. Peyton... Peyton Reed. Peyton Reed. Um, and yeah, I genuinely do think this is his first one since Scott Pilgrim. So that's a hiatus of five years, I think. I think. maybe it's his first writer-director credit since Scott Pilgrim, first definite. But I feel like we're forgetting a movie that I'm going to double check. <laughs> oh yeah, we were trying to stop this whole checking during yeah, the show and having but, all the facts but up. Now that Michael's called my bluff, I now have to go and check. But I'm pretty sure we're about to find out. That, I'm very yes, confident. Oh, we forgot completely about The World's End. <laughs> Whoops a doodle! Oh yeah, that's As people movie. say, it's the lesser light of the Cornetto trilogy. <laughs> Not us. Um, well, okay, yeah. So we've had what, but still, so in the fa- in the space of seven years, 
where we've had like what twenty Michael Bay movies and probably even like five Spielberg movies, we've had two Edgar Wright movies, and that's a, quite a big thing. So anticipation was high for this one. Yeah. I feel we're going to have a difference of opinion, though. I feel we are about to have a difference of opinion. I'll, I'll let you open the fire, Michael. This is not my favourite Edgar Wright movie. Right. But I think on a filmmaking standpoint, on the technicality, it might be his best. Right. I take it you didn't like it. It's not that I didn't like it. I'll paraphrase it with that. And you're right. The media nerd Darren was having a goddamn, you know, party. because say, the, the second sequence, the, the one shot, I mean, there was a cl- very clear cut in that. A very, very clear cut. But most of it was just crisp. It was the, so good. I mean, we'll get into the minutiae in a minute, but there were so many things he was doing that I was just, a doffer the cap was earned. But I think overall, I don't think, it's not that I didn't like it. It, it was a very middling average movie for me really? in a lot of other aspects of it. I think narratively, it gets a bit confused about halfway through all the way up to the end. Character motivations all over the goddamn shop. And I think if it wasn't for its unique selling point of the soundtrack kind of being so intertwined with everything, I think I would have actually disliked it. That was the saving grace for me, instead of being like a kind of uh, Achilles heel for it. It really works, but unfortunately the movie around it isn't up to the same standards. Yeah, but what? But on a technical standpoint, would you agree or disagree that this is his best movie on, on a filmmaking level? If we, if we, I know it seems bad to throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, forget the plot, look at what's presented... I think technically, this is his as a craft. I think this is his best effort. Well, I think it just as much as I love Scott Pilgrim, that's still my favorite Edgar Wright movie. You like Scott Pilgrim more than Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. Okay. Well, pop quiz. What is your favorite Cornetto trilogy movie? Well, it's obviously Hot Fuzz. Thank you. I'm not right? a moron. Everyone right. goes Shaun of the Dead, and Shaun of the Dead's a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant movie. But Hot Fuzz is his masterpiece. Yeah. Hot um, Fuzz is great. Um. But, uh, <laughs> This is the thing, because he's such a good director at kind of weaving that stuff in anyway, so like all the, you know, the Sean Lennon Hot Fuzz stuff where they predict the, the rest of the movie in like the first or second scene. Yeah, yeah. That type of stuff. He's always been a very tricksy director. He's he's a cute guy in terms of getting this stuff in there. Maybe this is his most ambitious project, but I don't necessarily mean that's the best. He pulls it off, so very well done for that. But again, I think you have to take it as a whole. Mm. And and it seems like because he had to concentrate so much on that, other things you expect from Edgar Wright movies fall short, particularly character. Because you kind of, with, with, with a lot of Edgar Wright movies, you care very deeply about the characters. And I just don't think it was the same here. No, this isn't the same level of love that... Okay, let, let, let's take it that before this movie, I do think that Hot Fuzz was his best work. Yeah. And I think you're right there because you care deeply about... Um, look, Angel. Nicholas Angel, you care about Nick Frost's character, you care about basically all the police force, you care about the villains. It's you, you, That's why it's such a good movie, because they're, they're understandable, relatable characters. Well, do you think that maybe is because that's... Edgar Wright's a British director and that's a very British storytelling method? That's a great way of not sounding xenophobic with the point I was going to make. Maybe it's because they were British, we cared more. But no, <laughs> you're right. Um, because this is his first... Well, no, Scott Pilgrim was an, pretty much an all-American. Yeah, it is all-American, so. I like that. But one. I mean, but that was a that was a hyper-reality. Yeah. This is set in, in the real world. So it's there's still a bit of difference between those two. But, I mean, starting with Baby himself. Yeah. Played by... Ansel Elgort. Who was in... Uh, the Fault in Their Stars. Which I haven't seen. Me neither. But I was like, all the way through, I was like, I've seen you in something <laughs> and I can't think what it is. I, he's, right, you don't care about him. 
Oh, I, and as a main I character. That was a good character. But this is my problem. He, because there's so many eccentric characters around him, he has to be, you know, the part of the of the of your bog standard Luke Skywalker bland hero. But I think he goes too far in both directions at the same time. <laughs> yeah. This is bear with me. So most of the time, he's like this stoic, boring, you know, by the books. Like Harrison Ford in real life type of bloke. Yeah. But then all of a sudden he starts singing in his car. And the two sides don't really gel together. Really? I thought it was a nice quirk. I... And the whole doing the remixes of people's conversations, I thought that was a cool quirk. I, I think, I thought uh, his, his scenes with, um, oh, what's her name? Oh, God, hang on. Sorry. What is her name? I'm trying Lily to find... James is Deborah. Yeah, Lily James is Deborah. Every single scene where they were together, the chemistry was real, and he's the smoothest motherfucker. I really like Is that what smooth is? I, it, is that where I was going wrong? It worked for me. It's just to be a bit mumbly and a bit odd. Maybe. Like, it, uh. he's got, it's, the, it's the 50s James Dean-style charm. Okay, now that's a, that's a good comparison. I'll give you that. But my, my issue with it gelling was, like, they were going for the introverted extrovert thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think he was too far introverted for then the extrovert stuff to look right. Because the opening scene, which I think for me is the high point of the movie, and I'll explain why in a little bit, is the the bank robbers run off into the bank, and then he just starts sing-alonging to his car, proper mime along to all the words, having a great time. And it's such a jarring right turn whenever that happens that it just it kind of brought me out of the movie a little bit. of Like, that guy wouldn't do that. I know it's a character, you know, they've created this character so he can do that, but for me it was a bit too jarring most of the time. And whilst I agree he had good chemistry with everybody, particularly with Deborah, I know he was a, he was a weak point for me. Really? I, yeah. I was very impressed by him. I was very, very impressed. I really liked, I, I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I really would like to see him do the now troubled Han Solo movie. I'd like to see him as a young Han Solo. <laughs> good God. <laughs> what has happened there, Michael? Yeah, but if it's good. It's the ve- it's the most real how would you've done it again moment which you pointed out. Oh, today. I cannot wait for that podcast. We, we we get to say how would you've done it again, and it's a real thing this time. It's substantive. Wait, for- oh, that's going to be a year and a half away, Michael. But it's going to be the most anticipated I've been for a podcast in my entire life. Guys, I need it. What if it's not good because then we don't get to say it? Oh, it's uh, such a disappointment. Damn it, right. It's all on you, Ron. You've got to do this for the pod. For the lols, Mi- for the- Michael. For the lols, Ron. For the lols. Uh, right. That on track. He, he being the weak point that then you have to follow all the way through the movie, I think if, if the supporting characters you'd cared about them, that would have helped. But again, to a man, didn't really were invest in what they were going to end up doing by the end of the movie. Um, Lily James as Deborah. I liked in her. Downton Abbey. She's very nice to look at. Yeah. Are we going to Pig Corner for a second? We'll go to Pig Corner for just a second. She's very nice to look at. So is the um, the hot bank robber as well. Yeah, I mean, she's more conventionally hot, but I think that... Um... Oh, I meant John Hamm. Oh. I don't know who you were on it, babe. <laughs> Flea, of course. <laughs> oh, God, Flea was awful. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, fuck. <laughs> That took me out of the movie so much when Flea did. I was like, what's going on? Why is Flea here? Can Flea act? No, no, Flea can't act. Oh, God. <laughs> well, this this is the state of the world now. Trump's president and Flea's an actor. What's going on? It's the end of, of the, the world, world as we know it. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she was in Downton Abbey. I keep need to point this out because it's She's all... She's a very quirky, kind of adorably cute Oh god, yeah, it works very in the same sweet. way that Ramona Flowers works. Like, yeah. They're very, very similar written characters, 
But again, her motivations are a bit odd. Sorry, we're out of pig corner now, are we? Oh, so yeah, we're out of pig yeah, corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back we to left that Critical thinking. She, her motivations are all I've shopped. I'm going to keep coming back to that point. It's something I'll go into more in spoilers. But... I agree with you on some of the characters. I don't think for our... The three big hitters for the movie for me were Ansel Elgort, Lily James and Kevin Spacey. I think they were very much on point. When we come to talk about John Hamm and a couple of others, then that's when okay. I start having problems. But your main trifecta, I think, were really, really good. Well, I'm going to have to talk to you about Kevin Spacey. Okay. He was just doing bog-standard Kevin Spacey stuff. That's fine. When he there, There's one scene. Basically, he's the, the head honcho of the hoist. He's the kingpin doing it all together. Yeah. yeah. There is one scene where he's, he's absolute spaciest, where it's fantastic. It's the one at the restaurant. Yes, that's great. That is a great piece of acting. Other than that, I'm not going to say he was phoning it in. But it didn't really feel like his heart was in it. Yeah, but I think... It felt like those Harrison Ford movies where you can tell Harrison's just turning up for the paycheck. Oh, right. Like, like he wasn't really there for me, other than just giving your most baseline Kevin Spacey performance that he can do, which is still good, because yeah, he's still Kevin the, Spacey. He's but... really great. So, like, a baseline Kevin Spacey is still better than most things in this world. So, I didn't really see it as a problem. Like I said, the scene in the restaurant, which is about, what, a third into the movie? Something like that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely on the fr- start of Act Two, start of Act time, Two, yeah. sort of stuff. Yeah, really enjoyed it, and I think he works as a not a, not a mentor character. He's more of like a because he, he he's an imprisoner of sorts, isn't he? Like, yeah. he's he's the bad guy, but by the end of the movie, he's not the bad guy, which is weird to me. But that's what I'm saying. There's nothing clean cut here. And I don't know... Now, it's not that I watched this at like a midnight show and so my brain was a little out. I was wide awake and ready for good times. It's just because no one's clean cut, but it doesn't feel like they're complicated characters. It just feels like they're written a little bit badly where there's no consistency there. That that kind of... That really was a big stopping point for me. That had the action not held up its end of the bargain might have made it even worse. Yeah. So I can, I can, I can do this rapid fire now. John Hamm. No, he, I'm, I'm with you on John Hamm. His he turn, was the best looking one. He's dead. <laughs> Double twist. That's a handsome man. Right. <laughs> Back to Pig Corner. He's yeah. a very good looking dude. Ansel, whatever his name is, Ansel Eagle. Ansel Elgort. Him. He's a good looking chap. Yeah. They're all good looking people. And well then, done. And everybody. then there's Flea. <laughs> and then there's Flea. Poor Flea. Anyway. He's probably a multi-millionaire by now, so he's not that much sympathy. But oh, well. His turn made the most sense. John Hams. Yes. No, I, I do disagree with you there. Really? His turn made the least sense. The least Motivated sensible. by love and tragedy. Yeah, but like... That's the easiest thing to understand. It's very it? hard to discuss this without going into spoiler territory. Yeah. But there is a point in the movie where John Hamm sort of flips. I mean, he, he plummets rather than gracefully yeah. falls down. I'll give you that. Yeah. It's a bit sudden. But, but, but it's completely unmotivated for that to be... You know, to put him in the position he is by the end of Act 3, mm. it seems unmotivated to have him of that level of importance, considering... Like, he was at the start of the movie, along with the Punisher. Who's only in one scene and yeah. then leaves. And that then happens goes a lot. Flea does that as well. He's See, only when in that one happened, I thought that was what was going to happen. I thought this was going to be like a rotating cast of cameos, but it's like, no, John Hamm's back, guys. He's a big part of the movie. I'm like, this is weird. Please yeah. stop. Well, you want his Flea back? <laughs> I mean, no. No. But- I could have done with some more gratuitous Hollywood cameos. That'd have been all right. You could have done. Uh, Jamie Foxx is unhinged. 
I didn't like Jamie Foxx, it must be said. Mm. Now, I, I know this seems a bit weird to be hating on Jamie Foxx, because everyone's been like, oh, his performance is really good. He's like, there is a point where he should have stopped, and we went far beyond that point, where I think his character overstayed the movie by about half an hour. He was quite cartoonish. Yeah. like it was, it was too much. I mean, I know this is a very cartoonish movie, when you think about the physics of this world. Like I say, it's, it's all set in the real world, but... Obviously, there's the ungodly driving talent of Baby. Yeah. And how everything is synced up to a soundtrack on an iPod. Mm-hmm. It all works out like that. And everyone's got this incredible, impeccable skill to do what they're good at. Yeah. But even then, the level of crazy that Jamie Foxx's character... What was his name? I think it was... Um, Bats. Bats. Yeah, that was it. Was just ridiculous. Like, there's the whole scene... Uh, there's a scene in a warehouse where they have to go and try and get some guns. Mm. And I was, I was looking at him going, like, this is very much just a convenience of plot for you to be able to go mental. There's no way in hell that this would be considered a good thing other than because plot. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, I didn't enjoy him. See, you're starting to come into my way. I think I am, him, I think I am. I think Hot Fuzz <laughs> might take that crown back. Shall we, shall we drag it back to the good? Yeah. Because action-wise... Oh, my God. Smashed you out of the park like you wouldn't believe. The opening scene in particular... I'm going to say this lightly because I need to think about it. Might be the best car chase ever. Wow. Really? It is so, so goddamn good. And maybe not the most intense, which is your opening scene. You're not investing in any of the characters, so there might be more, you know, heavy hitting. I mean, ones. I know you weren't hot on Fury Road, but does it stack up to the. But I mean, okay, but that entire thing is a goddamn car chase. You can't yeah. pick one part out of that. But that's, I mean, in terms true. of like an opening scene. Dash through a city. Oh, okay. It's so beautifully it's done. It's very slick. There's so many good camera angles, camera tricks, and just, just, again, it's very clean. You understand what's happening at all times, even though there's a lot going on. Oh, yeah. Big props to whoever does the choreography and stunt work, because holy well, shit. Welcome to the stunt drivers. That J-turn is ridiculous oh, down the alleyway. so My good. My God, it's beautiful. It's a shame they spaffed that one in the trailer. Because yeah. this, is, this is a problem that we need to address. Trailers are spaffing the best bits. You wait till Spider-Man. Jesus. Uh, geez. But um, but yeah, we need to discuss that at some point. Well, I, I think it'll be a good editorial. Thankfully, because I knew Edgar Wright was doing this and it was a car movie, I actually avoided most trailers. I didn't oh, well really see much in the theatre at all. So I think I only saw about the first trailer twice, maybe. So I was thankfully spared that. I saw one trailer and I was like, oh, sweet, an Edgar Wright movie's coming out. Amazing. And then I went out of my way to avoid it. And yeah. it was fucking unavoidable trying to see a movie oh. without seeing this goddamn fucking trailer. I'm like, I'm already going to see it. Please. I was stop. good. I was. I pretty much didn't see anything trailer after after the first like initial tease of it. So I was did all right. I think Odeon just really really bum off that movie because it's ah. just every film. Sorry to have a little bit of a sidebar here, but I heard you didn't have the greatest of screenings. Was this or Spider Man? You didn't have Spider Man. Spider Man. Ignore that sidebar completely. We'll do that in the next podcast. Yeah, yeah. Look forward to that. Um, see, the opening car chase, great. The second heist, great. The final, it becomes more of a parkour thing at the end. Yeah. Also great. And then there's the kind of, the kind of like the, the sumo car bit, if you know what I mean. The sumo car when bit. When you see the bit in the movie, like towards the end. Oh, the, right. Yes, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. All very, very well done. Whenever they can take the emphasis off the characters and turn it into a car chase movie, it's fantastic. But that's the thing. I think in elements, I think that when the when the emphasis is not on the car movies, I think every scene with Ansel Elgo and Lily James, as I've said, is brilliant. And I think that the romance really works. And there's a strong through line of of like these very intense like character relations. So there's 
there's John Hammer's buddy and what's her name? I think it's Elsa Gonzalez. Elsa, I think. Isa. This one, yeah. Darling. Darling, yeah, she played Darling. Um, I've, it was very over the top, but mm. it was a believable romantic through line. Baby and um, Deborah, obviously. Yeah. And then there was the one, obviously it's not romantic love, but Baby's sort of like father-son relationship with his um, deaf carer, I guess, Yeah. that he ends up caring for. I don't remember the Joseph. name. Joseph. Joseph, that was it. Who was he played by, sorry? C.J. Jones. C.J. Jones, thank you. Um, I really liked that. That was very well done. That was very, very sweet. And mm. the whole, like, he was able to... They were both able to lip-read incredibly well because they shared that kind of... Close proximity to each other. Yeah, yeah, that and obviously there's the whole tinnitus and deafness thing. Yeah. Which, I don't know, uh, this this whole hindrances into powers thing, I'm very much down for because that's the X-Men way of thinking, if you think about it. The what, sorry? Hindrances into powers. So, oh, uh, right, 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 I gotcha. Yeah, because um, they, they... Can we talk about the same track now? Because I feel it's time. Yeah, it's going to be done. Uh, it was. A, it didn't feel like that much of a plot contrivance that he, you know, he's draining out the tonight with the music, and it's just what he does. It is quirk because there's a lot of quirky characters. You accept it as, yeah. as going on, and and I I would have been okay if it was even more awkward because it meant that all of the car chases had almost across the board perfect music set to them. Yep. The only one that stuck out for me as being a bit of a weird choice was Brighton Rock by Queen. Yeah. And they make a big deal of that song being in the movie. Right. Now, we're both massive Queen fans, but I wouldn't say that Brighton Rock is either their favourite Queen songs. No, and I wouldn't even say it's got the best guitar work. Not even slightly. Right? So, it's, it's like that was that the only Queen song you could afford, but you had to have a Queen song in there, so you had to go, you got Brighton Rock. You get the feeling they were trying to get Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. <laughs> or, or something like, you know, something fast-paced. Like, did Seven Seas of Rye turn you down? Seven Seas of Rye would be the best Seven Seas of would be fantastic, be but no, incredible. we get Brighton Rock. And then and then John Hamm knows what it is. I'm like, yeah, and John Hamm goes on this diatribe about um, sheer, sheer heart attack, and I'm like... Mm, we're getting a bit nerdy now, guys. Come on. I mean, like, I like Queen, but this is a bit much. And you might be going into the movie thinking it's just going to be like, you know, the Fast and Furious soundtrack. It's really not. No. There's barely anything modern. I don't think there's anything modern, in fact. It's all old school songs. Well, we're in the... Slight remixes. We're in the era of, of uh, movies. Well, yeah. Movies with classic... Sa- like, current movies with classic soundtracks. Yeah. I'm very much okay with that. Oh, God, yes. There was Barry White. Yeah. But it wasn't during a car chase, which would have been the best thing, but... <laughs> But oh my god, and and that is probably this is we're going back to the kind of technical masterpiece this movie is, the way it all lines up so very very well. I imagine his editor had a goddamn heart attack at yeah. least at least five times during this process because actually you know what I read an interview with him mm. and I think it is with a stunt coordinator where he said it's actually very useful to have the song there because they have a finite amount of time to work in. So the stunts have to be precise, and they can't afford multiple takes. You know, they can't really on the fly change things and do all this stuff because it has to fit into the song perfectly. So it actually removed a lot of the busy work of like, oh, we'll tie it from a slightly different position and angle of the camera. No, everything has got to be done to this blueprint. It has to be storyboarded to within an inch of its life and ran that way. And I'm glad they took the time doing that because it works so very, very well. And outside of the car chase, if I do think he's the strength of this movie, it's very much in the self-med position. All the technical side of things that I keep going back to is fantastic. It's just Edgar Wright's other stuff seemed to have suffered because of it. I did enjoy the the, the fact that, because like I say, the cinematography is so on point, mm-hmm. like moment to moment, very slick, very crisp. Um, 
and the, but it's the it's the second sequence where he's getting coffee, and the lyrics are like oh yeah 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 as he's walking that down felt very graffiti. Scott Pilgrim. I loved that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like Scott Pilgrim, so it fit right down there. I like that. It was very very good. This thing, I just wish they'd taken the time and consideration to do it because this could have been a another Edgar Wright masterclass. This could have been he would have had a perfect record with me of just like I love intensely all of his films, but I think and this might be slightly controversial as we've already alluded to I think this is a lesser movie than The World's End wow really just because I think they have opposite problems I think it's actually the action that lets down The World's End yeah. whereas it's character work is very strong I don't think it's as funny as the other two as well the jokes are a little bit lacking in World's End to, compared to Hot Fuzz and Join the Dead but because characters is what I chiefly go to Edgar Wright movies for and he's kind of media nerd love of lacing all this stuff in I think that's a better movie I enjoy that more I look forward to seeing The World's End again I don't necessarily think I'll ever need to watch The Baby Driver again I have the opposite opinion to you there I okay. think I think I am looking forward to watching Baby Driver again because I think there is a lot more to unpack mm. I think I've had time to sit and think about the movie but sitting and thinking about a movie that's this visually and like I don't want to say audially because that's not a word you know what I mean but it's, it's so set in film the only way you're going to unpack this, because this is not a Nolan movie where you need to contemplate mm-hmm. lots going on. You need to literally just drink everything in yeah. from the screen, from the sound. And that's why I like it, because it is just, like you say, a technical masterpiece. Media studies classes are going to hate this goddamn movie. Yep, they're going to be seeing a lot of this for shit. For the next 20 years, you're going to have to watch Baby Driver as some part of some module. But <laughs> oh, Shall we get into spoilers? Shall we? I think, well, we can give you a recommendation. I think... If you're into Edgar Wright movies, you've already gone and seen this movie. Yeah. No doubt about that. And I think if you're of the Fast and Furious persuasion, I think you'll like it too. Because, again, the car stuff is very, very, very good. I just think... I I, I don't know if I'm in the minority. In fact, I'm pretty sure I am. Because a lot be. of people came out really raving about this. Twitter in particular, there was a lot of people coming yeah, out of the woodwork. Yeah. And the YouTube reviewers seemed to love it. Too, yeah, yeah. Mark well. Hamill came out and said it's one of the best movies he's seen no, all year. Uh, Terry Crews said the same thing. A lot of people are coming out and really raving about this. I just don't know if it was me and I was expecting something else. That's what let me down. But I think it, it's good enough to go and give a watch to. At the end of the day, it's an Edgar Wright movie. And yes, if you know his name... You're already going, Ooh. but it's almost it's almost a steal of quality. It's like Nolan, you know, outside of Inception, <laughs> and I didn't mean Inception, did I? Interstellar, yeah, outside of Interstellar. Maybe this is Edgar Wright's Interstellar for you, anyway. Yeah, for me, this isn't. I think it's a great movie, and like I say, the technical stuff certainly does outweigh the problems with character motivation yeah. and plot. Which now I think about it, probably does put it below Hot Fuzz, because that's just. It's the perfect well, high note of everything. I haven't even really gone into my problems yet, Michael. We've still got the spoiler alert to get through. Is that the, is that it? That's that's, that's that. It's a recommendation from me. Let's talk spoilers. Spoiler alert! This is my thing, right? In the baby's motivations and ideals really do just change on a whim. Oh yeah, it's like that. Through this the movie. second he meets Deborah. So he no, it's not even Deborah that's necessarily the thing. He his thing is he doesn't want to kill people. And, and, he's, and he's big about that, that. He doesn't want to hurt anybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? He doesn't want to hurt innocent people. You know, and he goes out of his way to make sure that doesn't happen quite a few times. And he looks disgusted and genuinely horrified 
when that does happen to people, because you know when when Jamie Fox is let loose, he tends to kill indiscriminately. Well, it's the fact that Jamie Fox, we, they'd roll up to a gas station like, oh, I want to get a drink, and then the attendant's dead. Like yeah, exactly off camera. That's what annoys me about like, Jamie Fox's character. Like really? he's a cartoonish need to shoot people. Yeah. Like when they're in the diner and Deborah's a bit short with them, and he decides he's going to fucking shoot her. Yeah. I'm like, mate, let's all calm down. We've all had one. We've all had a drink. <laughs> so adamantly against killing, will not do it, and then kills. Two people, and he's, you know, kind of responsible for a third person's death, all in the space of about three hours, I yep. think, all told. Rams fucking Jamie Foxx into a big old pipe. I didn't see that coming. Like, didn't see it coming. They set it up, and now I think that they did set that up to happen, but it was fucking cool. Both of us missed it. <laughs> yeah. And then kills John Hamm, and he's kind of responsible for Darling's death as well. Yeah. And he doesn't seem like he's really been pushed. I'm not, I know that Jamie Foxx had a gun on him. But that change from... If it was just... He had to kill Jamie Foxx, he was about to die. But then he goes so hard after John Hamm, and it really... I know it, circumstances change, but that was his thing. It's like when you see Batman killing people in the new one. It's like, well, your thing was that you didn't kill people, and now you're a mass murderer. So, you know, <laughs> that's not great. And the same thing with his relationship with Deborah. I think it was... it was They had good chemistry, but the whole thing was so sped up. Yeah, it was... Well... That's the thing. I think it just fit the pace of the movie because it's a very. It, it's over two hours long, but it feels very quick. Oh god, it's a non-stop movie. There is no time for breathing in this, and I think it would have actually the character work, especially, would have appreciated one or two quieter scenes where you can just take take stuff in outside. The Deborah and baby kind of get that time, but not enough yeah. of it. And the fact that she's then willing to, she's then willing to not kill people, but aid in killing people. Yeah, for someone she's met what seems like a couple of days ago. And drive away with them forever. Yeah, thinking about that now, and the whole connection to Baby's tragic, the, the tragic death of his parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she works in the same diner as his mum used to yeah. take him to. That's a bit of a weird one. Yeah. And the whole like, oh, you work at the diner that my parents didn't do. Therefore, we are in love now. I'm like, mm. it's all a bit too soon. And I think it, it's, it's the whole thing. It, I, I like the idea that he fell in love with her from her voice to begin with, and he's like, I need to find out who said that. That was clever. I like that shit. If it, I don't feel they really played up the young love aspect. If they'd done it like oh, that, it like really it's well. a, like it's a Bonnie and Clyde type of thing, then maybe. But tell, I'm telling me the laundrette. I like the laundrette scene a lot. Um, that was a cute scene. And they do the toe tapping and yeah, then they're yeah. walking around and dancing. I'm like, I like this. That was good. Smooth as fuck. He is smooth as fuck in a weird twee hipster way. He's yeah, smooth as fuck. There was one shot I want to talk about before we get into anything else. Yeah. Joe, when he sat in the diner, yeah. and she walks in singing Baby, yeah. goes through those double doors, mm-hmm. and then he's suddenly serving him. Yeah, that's that, weird. R- right, okay, everyone I've talked to had the exact same opinion. They thought they were two separate people. Yeah, I thought that. Because it, I don't know if it's like a camera trick or whatever it is, but it, there's no way that woman's had time to get in there, get changed, and get ready for work, and come out and serve Baby. That's just really weird. So I was like... Is, it, is the other person who he was staring at going to walk through the door and see him talking to like, this I woman? know he was he was fiddling with the the, um, the voice recorder. He was trying to rewind it and listening back. But, yeah. For the, ten the, seconds. Yeah, the timing on that was too quick. That woman was either the most efficient diner worker in the history of time or she's fucking Quicksilver. So, <laughs> those are your only two options. And I think, again, that... John Hamm's made sense because he saw Darling go down and yeah. he was already a bit of an unhinged person to begin with. You yeah, know, but he liked Baby and it's very, very quick how he goes from like, oh, Baby's a good kid, leave Baby alone too, I'm going to kill him. Mm. And, I th- and I think... Travesty I think, and love do that to people. Mark. I know, but I think that because he didn't, his character didn't like bats either. Yeah. You'd think, okay, you'd be shocked when Baby fucking rams a pole through his brain. Yeah. 
but you'd understand it. But no, immediately, like straight away, they're like, "Oh shit, open fire!" Mm-hmm. Like, this is weird. This is very weird. And I felt like it got it got to the cartoony levels the bats was by yeah. the end, where it basically becomes but the it, end of Terminator. But <laughs> Baby was indirectly responsible for Darling going down. Indirectly so responsible. Him. But then if you're that crazed, he's already living a bit of a crazed life and he's a bit of a drug addict. To be and they, they do go into that, the whole that she was like, what, like a sex worker? He's a lap dancer. Like yeah. His favourite, Bats lays out the story of you were on Wall Street, it all went wrong and you ran away with your favourite lap dancers to do a load of coke and do some hoists. Um, and he doesn't refute that. So, I mean, Jamie Foxx probably isn't prophetic, but there we go. That one was actually a bit more believable for me than than Baby and and Deborah's turns. Really? Yes. Um, and I think it all ultimately leads to the exact same problem I have with Wolf of Wall Street. That being that the the repercussions don't really get the point across. Because you know, my problem with Wolf of Wall Street is, and again, it's all down to the media studies training I had all these years, is that there has to be a mold to the story, right? There has to be consequences, and at the end, you have to be taught a lesson. That is the point of all media, is to teach something. Comedies, maybe not so much, they're a bit looser. But this type of movie, yes. Wolf of Wall Street, yes, his wife leaves him, uh, but he goes to jail. It's shown that he's playing tennis in jail every day, so he's fine. It's not really a terrible existence for him. He gets out, and he's still successful future in life. So that didn't really teach us that all the stuff he was doing was bad, because nothing, ultimately, all that terrible happens to him. Same thing happens here. Yeah, I get, I he get kills from people. that school of thought, yes. He kills people, right? So you think, right, if he goes to jail, but they leave it like, oh, you know, Deborah's, the, the letter that Deborah sends saying she's going to wait for him is the end. It's just him smiling in his cell and, like, you know, dancing about a little bit. That would have been fine. But the fact it seems to be he's in um, jail for, like, three minutes flat and then he walks out at the end and he's back with Deborah and everything's fine and he doesn't look like he's aged a day. I'm like, that... Even though, like, three years are supposed to have passed. Yeah, but I mean, because they, they didn't really go out of their way to really tell you that three years had passed, you just felt like, well, well, then you learnt nothing. You, you, the consequences weren't substantive enough. And that annoyed me. But I, don't, I don't know, but he did his time. Um, and really, like, he did it to get... We, this is the thing, right? We don't know what situation he was in to get in debt to Doc. No. That's never explained. Well, no, it was the, the whole thing of, like, they, he caught him jacking the wheels off his Mercedes. Was that not it? Was that... I thought if it, it was, I totally he jacked, he jacked. He jacked the Doc's Mercedes, and it had gear in the trunk that was worth a lot of money, and he said, you owe me that money now. And, and Wow, I so missed forth. that completely. Amazing. Yeah, this is slowly going down now. Um, Yay! Thanks, Darren, for crushing my dreams. Well done, everybody. But no, but but because I think Baby is a more sympathetic and relatable character than... um, Wolf of Wall Street guy. Yeah, oh God, what's his name? Uh, um, um, Forget um, it. Tanner. Tanner, (laughs) it's it's really not. No. Leo in Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. He's not a relatable or sympathetic character. He's interesting, and he's an interesting character study. Yeah. It's, It's very much... A window into the life of excess. That's not what this movie is. This movie is here is a troubled kid with these hindrances, and he finds something to work for. Mm-hmm. That's you know, you, you want to see like you want to see him go to jail because he kills people. Yeah, he, he steals cars, he steals money, he works for bad guys. But and the movie does go out of its way to say he does all this bad shit, but he's a good kid. Yeah, because like he he murders people now. So he, he does like that was a very weird sort of. Distance says, like, he tells the woman not to go into the bank because they're about to rob it, but then he rams a, 
fucking no problem killing the guy. Yeah. yeah, no problem doing that to Jamie Fox. This is what I mean about being narratively not clean. It's it's very muddled, and which is not what I expect from an Edgar Wright movie. They're very cut and dry most of the time. They're very weird and quirky, but I mean, the story of Scott Pilgrim is very straightforward. All of the Cornetto trilogy, very straightforward. It felt like that's what lacking here. It lacked a little bit of the Edgar Wright polish for me that I think it really would have benefited from. I know it took a lot to get this movie done, and that's, again, probably what split his loyalties a little bit, that he couldn't focus on characters much because he had to do this big, grand experiment of working the same drag in so intrinsically into all the action pieces. And then Marvel. And then Marvel kicking him in the dick. That's probably not helpful. But I don't know. This is the thing. It's it's not, again, the, the, the key thing I have to point out is I don't feel the need to go and watch this again. And I don't even think I'd be all that excited in a sequel. No, because there is talks already, isn't there? Which is a yeah. bit, bit weird. Yeah. I don't see where you could go with it. The story is done. Plus, he's never done a sequel. He hasn't, no. No. He's huh. not, admittedly, he's only done five movies, but not one of them is a sequel. They're all standalone. And he's the type of director that I want doing that. Yeah. I don't want him turfing out the same stuff. I don't want him to do any of that stuff. If he did a second Cornetto trilogy taking on three different genres, I'd be all up for that. But if you came back and said we're doing Hot Fuzz 2, Shaun of the Dead 2, and um, uh, At the World's End 2, that's not going to... I'm not interested in that. Do new things. Don't get tied down by sequels. That's for Michael Bay to deal with, not yeah. you. Be my beautiful butterfly yet, <laughs> Go free uh, and make better movies next time. I'd st- I do think it's worth a watch. I think you should definitely watch it because it is just technically, visually, mm-hmm. and it's, it's amazing. The soundtrack is great. And it is one of those movies that certain parts do need to seem to be believed. In the, the, yeah. It's like, wow, they actually managed to find a way to film this. Mm-hmm. That's pretty rad. And I don't know whether it's worth... I, I think, like I said, I still think there's still more to unpack in the visual storytelling. Yeah. Because there's a lot of, like you say, he's a director that likes to put in visual cues about how the movie's going to play out, etc. And hide Easter eggs. So because it's an Edgar Wright movie, I think it deserves a, a second watch. Past that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because Hot Fuzz is a movie you could repeat forever and not get bored of it. Absolutely. Scott Pilgrim is a movie I have seen, I think I've seen it about ten times. I'm probably every, about the same. Every time that movie gets better. You, take a, you have a new takeaway from that movie every time you watch yeah. it. Exactly. You pick something else up, you unpack it more. I like that. This movie doesn't have as much going for it as Scott Pilgrim does, though. Don't get me wrong, this wasn't a colossal failure like Interstellar was. No. That really... And I wasn't the biggest Inception fan. So it's put my back up against... Christopher Nolan movies going forward. I mean, we're all excited for Dunkirk, but I mean, I'm still a bit... Well, you're excited for Harry Styles in the World War? Yes. Amazing. Yes, I am. Uh, David Beckham's in that movie as well. Oh, God. What could possibly <laughs> go wrong? Um, <laughs> but this hasn't tarnished Edgar Wright in any way, shape or form. No, definitely Whatever not. he chooses to do next, maybe not a baby driver's eagle, like I said, but whatever he chooses to do next... I am in. His I am name is still a ticket seller. At the end of oh the god, day. yes, yeah, 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 absolutely. He's still, he's still a Spielberg. He's still a Tarantino. He's still a guy. Which is amazing because everyone thought it was going to be Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, the ticket sellers, and mm. they're not. And uh, no, I, it hasn't really. And, and gone. I do like to see them in movies, but I will always watch an Edgar Wright movie. You watch Cuban Fury. I've not watched. Cuban Fury. <laughs> That's got a good cast as well. It's got Rashida Jones. It's got the phone jacker guy. Chris O'Dowd's in that, isn't he? Hmm? Chris O'Dowd from IT Crowd. Uh, yes, oh, yes, he is. Good, it's got what's he's got? Um, oh god damn it, from Deadwood. Um, ah, oh, he's in American Gods. I don't um, know. Ah, we'll come back to it. No, what's his name? <laughs> oh, we can't have a, 
was no, I have to know. This. Please I have to know. Jesus wept. Whilst Darren's looking that ah, up. Ah, he was be- Blackbeard in thingy. Ah. Blackbeard in thingy. What are you he, talking about? It was, you remember uh, Ian McShane? Ian McShane! Him. Yes. Okay. He's in Cuban Fury as well. Ian McShane's in Cuban Fury. Yes. He's the dance instructor. Okay, then. <sighs> God, that was warning me because he's also in Game of Thrones. He's like, he's in a lot of stuff I've watched. He's in John Wick as well. He's in John Wick as well. Damn, he's in a lot of things. Yeah. Deadwood did well for him. Hmm. Hmm. Um, (laughs) Look away, Michael. (laughs) (laughs) That's the ending note. Deadwood was good for Ian McShane. Go see Baby Driver. American Gods is interesting, even though I don't know what happened. This took a tangent. What happened in American Gods, Darren? No idea. <laughs> did you watch all the episodes? Hell yes, I did. <laughs> you like? I didn't really follow that man, but I, I enjoyed the cause and shame that you kept my attention. I like the cut of his jib. <laughs> you watch American Gods? I'm going to get around to it. Oh god, look forward to that. Yeah, my dad doesn't understand a single thing. Not that's going a goddamn on. thing. They throw <laughs> so many things at you, and it only makes sense in the last two minutes of the final episode. You finally clock what, like, a little bit of what's going on. You're like. Oh, but it's such a fun, pretty car wreck to watch that you kind of can't turn it away. <laughs> oh, wonderful. So, you can go and follow me on Twitter at at that mark going, or you can go and follow the site on your social media of choice using the username FowlyNT. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. And, of course, go to FowlyEntertainment.com for more. August, I swear to God, 30 days of stuff. We put it off for three months. We've been busy, people. It's coming. I'm writing stuff now. Darren? You can find me on Twitter at the Guttridge. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Dazza the G. Um, you can. That's basically it now. Uh, oh. We've got Spider Man coming up as a next podcast. We're going to record that next. Uh, so I look forward to that. We've got Planet of the Apes coming next week. Yay. So we've got a lot Dunkirk's of Dunkirk's on the way. Dunkirk's on the way. Atomic Blonde is the next movie I'm really excited for as well. Really looking forward to that. I can't say I've seen anything of it. You it's told the... me about it. I know, I know, I know. I've got to go watch the trailers, but still. Um, so yeah, we're sorry for the hiatus. It was Michael's laptop's fault, not mine. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we're back. We're back, and we're excited. And and I can't think of a good sentence to finish on. So we're just gonna say bye.